10 years, three boys, one question, are we friends? Boom, baby! And welcome to Are We Friends? I am your co-host, Taylor. I am your co-co-host, Brian. And I'm Jorge. And can I get a hoya? <laughs> I'm not doing that. (laughs) There it is. And this is the show called Are We Friends, where three boys have known each other for 10 years, go through their interests one at a time to see if they are actually still friends anymore, or if it's just inertia. This week, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Emperor's New Groove, um, because it it was just 4th of July, so we really wanted to do a 4th of July related episode, We wanted so we picked um, the Emperor's New Groove. Something that captured the essence of the holiday. That's really about as much as I care to say about the 4th of July. That's pretty much it, is that it's the 4th day in July. (laughs) Yeah. Well, seeing as today, when we were releasing this, is July 5th. Perfect. (laughs) So fuck them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get to do exactly how I like to spend my days off, which is talking about something like The Emperor's New Groove. Yes. I do want to dedicate this episode specifically to all the wonderful people in our Discord, though, because when we were looking for <laughs> what kind of nice, lighthearted episode to do, I went into the Discord to ask, and this was like, we already had The Emperor's New Groove memes up, and people right there. already excited about The Emperor's New Groove just in general. So we figured this, is, this one's for y'all. Let's ride that momentum. Yes. Let's keep <laughs> You mentioned That's Emperor's weird. New Groove, and now we're doing it. Hun D.P. Um, I love this movie. I think it is an absolute <laughs> classic, and I forget every goddamn time that it's Disney. I always think it's DreamWorks going DreamWorks. into it. Ooh. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I get that. Because it, it is a little bit of a different vibe, but, like, uh, no, no. I, I, I get what you mean, but, like, Watching a second of it makes you go, it's Disney. Like, 100% it's Disney. Watching any clip from it. Like, really? I was watching. So, uh, so this is the thing about it for me, especially, is I saw this movie when it came out. Ditto. And then I didn't see it until this afternoon. L-O-L. <laughs> okay. Like, I want to hear your opinion specifically. Literally didn't watch yep. it at all. Um, we did find out it's rated G. Yeah, which is yeah. very surprising because Kuzco's attitude is, is very PG thirteen attitude. <laughs> yeah, especially when he's like yeah. going down the line of women at first. He goes like, "You suck. Your hair is awful. Let me guess, you've got a great personality." I and like love <laughs> that because it was like, "Oh my god, I never realized Kuzco was gay," and I'm so happy <laughs> that this is a queer movie now. Yeah, he's just one of those angry guys in the closet, you know. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, so takes what, care of himself. What were your opinions coming back to it after so long, Brian? So I had, uh, I I generally remember enjoying the film when I like over the twenty plus years it's been because I think it came out in two thousand. But now you like realize that. it's a fucking piece of trash. Um, and I no. and then I realized how much I hated it and how I hate all Disney films. No, I'm kidding. Um, it was very good. It was a lot of fun. It was. I I got a chance to do some brief research on the production of this and apparently this movie was a completely different thing when it first started and then turned into like a light 90 minute buddy comedy what was it supposed to be it was originally called empire of the sun oh and it was going to be like a romance it was going to be more like a traditional disney like romantic comedy oh. musical it's going to use elements of the prince and the pauper like oh, uh like pacha was originally going to be someone who looked like the prince but oh. was like a sheep you know a llama herder guy and uh-huh. then 
all these weird shenanigans happen yep. sort of thing, and it just became this big overbloated mess. Fucking boring. And then they're like, we're not making this movie. Not again. And then like they brought in another director, and he's like, what if we just fucking made it fun? And they're like, fuck, it's great. Like you, guys, fun, you guys ever see those movies like Road to X, like Road to Bali or Road to Hollywood, you know, Bing Crosby and Benny Goodman or whatever? Yeah, let's just do that. But nope. like with John let's Goodman and David again. Spade and yeah. one of them's a llama. <laughs> fuck it. You know, classic exactly. formula. Because that's what I realized, um, yeah. like thinking about this movie this time, that it really is the classic like buddy on the road to X. Like mm. it's like, oh, yeah, well, we love these movies. We love them so much. We let Bing Crosby make like six of them in a row. I didn't see any of them. They just had no idea what to do for movies back then. I know, they just, right? They didn't. They were like, "What do you do?" Fine. Oh God, we Bing got one. we got a new plot. <laughs> All right, roll it back. Roll it again. Run it into the ground. How many more you movies just... do we have? Like Bing Crosby contractually enslaved for? <laughs> cool. All right, six more. Four hundred thousand. Yeah, so you can just more. see the wall with one noodle and just a pile of spaghetti <laughs> at the bottom. Of it. <laughs> Hun D P. Um, yeah. So this movie, this I love movie that. opens up. In, I think like the I'm always excited to watch it because when you when the movie opens up you're like re excited for what you're about to do because it like really puts its whole attitude up front with like Cusco's like whole song yeah. by Tom Jones the we Tom Jones. yeah Tom Jones uncredited but it is very clearly Tom I, Jones I, I, say, I heard it, it and I immediately went <laughs> yeah um yeah so much about his attitude is just like fucking immediately thrown out as he's like dancing through his uh oh yeah there's no subtle i mean well that's you're not really supposed to but there's no subtlety in this (laughs) like it's just kuzco is a loud brash asshole emperor who loves himself and nothing else the fact that he is an emperor of a country or jungle or whatever because they say he says the world yeah (laughs) he says the world yeah which for i mean yeah um, I love this as uh, the economy. So yeah, like he's like, I couldn't give less of a shit. I just want stuff for me. <laughs> the uh, the expositional economy of that opening number, like, truly should be like, if you're thinking of writing a musical, that's how you do it. That's how you introduce this premise <laughs> really tightly. The number slaps, and not not for a minute do I feel like I'm being told the premise. Like I just feel like I'm bopping around and watching, you know, like. It all happened, and it's <laughs> like, Taylor's doing like the the shoulder shimmy thing. Yeah, and Taylor is shaking what his mother gave him. Yeah, she is very disappointed in it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we just Sorry. get it. it. No, it's an excellent, it's an excellent opening number, and I don't think they really have one. Uh, they've got like some you know musical sequences, but that is the number of this. Well, yeah, remember movie. they do the yeah, that's pretty much it. And then there's okay again. This is another part of the previous production. They hired Sting, the oh from the God. police, like to basically pull an Elton John with the Lion King that first of all that's how long ago it started in production it was like 95 is when it started in production and they were just working on it through things and then like Pocahontas and Hunchback start like performing less well and they start going oh my god we can't do another one like it's too serious oh my god Um. yeah what do they hear like fields of gold and like Sting you could write something heartfilled like Elton John type right and Sting said I don't know I'm kind of in a tantric haze right now but sure I could do that the it actually turned out interesting because and i have to watch this and find it because i want to but um because it, it sounds very interesting he was like i will totally do this on the condition that you let my filmmaker wife document the process like just do a documentary about this thing oh. and it turned into a film called the sweat box which is about the hell of the years it took to get emperor's new groove made <laughs> This because it's about it, the Emperor's New Groove. It's about the production of from Empire of the Sun all the way to oh Emperor the movie that came out because 
the Sting song, the end credits is the only other credited song. And it's one of the songs Sting wrote for that original thing. They just put it at the end of the credits <laughs> because they're like, oh we have God. it. We might as well use it. Yeah, we already paid um, for it. Shit. Yeah, exactly. We gotta um, watch that documentary. I, I do love that this movie does do the start you at three quarters and then run it back because it gives David Spade a lot of room to be very funny and sarcastic and arrogant and cocky yeah. throughout the film's like retelling up towards the end. Like he's just he's just talking shit. He's like, this is too far back. I don't like this. Go forward and keep winning. There's one part where they're where they're focusing on John Goodman's character and he stops Pacha. the film. Like they're moving the camera, they're panning the camera and he steps into frame and is like, excuse me. What's what is going on here? Yeah, I it's a movie about I'm me. the main character. It's and he gets like the John Madden like telestrator like pen. He's like it's not. It's about me in the bag and not about him. And he's crossing out John Goodman. Um, yeah. So like it starts off very hot with its personality. It is like if you like this, if you are amused by this, you're in for the whole thing. And if you're not, goodbye. Thanks for coming. See you later. Yeah. yeah. So much of the humor is from I cannot believe Cusco is such an <laughs> asshole. Like, well, for me, it's particularly like when him and Pacha are on the bridge after he's agreed to initially not destroy his village. Yeah. And Pacha <laughs> falls through the bridge and he's like, I'm going to leave you here and I'm going to destroy your village. Not, to, to not destroy his village by putting his summer home birthday gift to himself yeah. on it. Like, it's not even for, like, I got to do this big important thing or, like, even if there's, like, a war. So, no, I want a summer pool house. And Pasha tells him there <laughs> yeah, are other hills. It's just, like he just picked that one at random. It's so seems. many other options. He's like, yeah, but I like this. Um, what's interesting about that is they introduce uh, Yzma right before this discussion with John Voiced Goodman. by Eartha goddamn Kit fucking perfectly by Eartha Kitt. <laughs> He's just so funny. She's so good and so funny and the, the character herself, like the design is Great. incredible. Her sense of fashion. Her, <laughs> her sense of fashion is A+. It's the second outfit that she wears when it's like all gray and it's like a bodysuit. Oh, the like. completely like skin tight <laughs> yeah. bodysuit thing and she's just moving around being weird. Um, But so like Kuzco is a huge asshole, and obviously the whole story is a redemption arc for him, right? Like, he starts in this very bad place, and he moves up, but they have to establish that Yzma is worse, because if you if they put them on the same pedestal, it's kind of like, okay, who cares? I don't like any of, you know, I'm entertained by mm -hmm. people, but, like, I don't sympathize with any of them, and they, the way they do it is they put Yzma first, denying a peasant... <laughs> food <laughs> and forgetting the fact right <laughs> she goes like, oh, like i don't have time for what is it you said do you need it again and the guy uh. goes um food like <laughs> yeah well you should have thought of that before you became peasants exactly. and then just like, like <laughs> banishes him or whatever yeah. it, it's also why i was surprised about the g thing because i'm like the only way they're gonna make her worse is if she you know boots a truckload of puppies off of the fucking top of the tower or something like there's no way to make her a bigger asshole than makes fucking a coat out of 99 puppies exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they've done it before uh I, there was a whole movie about it well i think one of the ways to make her a villain too is her abuse of the absolute powerhouse that is crunk correct oh, oh. God. 
this is the movie oh. that made me fall in love with Patrick Warburton's voice. Oh, like I knew it then <laughs> and I knew I just knew like, oh yeah, I know this guy's voice and I love it. And it took me years to learn his name, but it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh both David Spade and Patrick Warburton, the whole movie, they're just like making noises in addition to their dialogue. They're just like like the, all the mo- noises they make as their characters are so fucking funny. Just... Or like the when yeah, David Spade crying the Exactly, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it's and like this is the last great thing I remember David Spade being and He uh, he might have done, you know, I'm going to check it right now, but he might have done something else afterward. But this is truly <laughs> like I knew his voice because I saw like Tommy Boy as a kid, but I just sure. couldn't. Or Joe Dirt, I think, might have been the thing I saw mm. before that, mm. which, Gotta excuse me, nope, Joe Dirt came <sighs> a year after this one. So fuck okay. me. Didn't see that one coming. My timeline was off. But Tommy Boy, like I knew the yeah. voice. I think he did. He did Dickie Roberts, former child star, after Joe Dirt. I don't know. Bench if probably. If you guys remember that one. I don't, oh my god! I feel like that one wasn't. I feel like people didn't like Dickie Roberts, but I know the concept very much appealed to me. I don't really remember it super well though. <laughs> Dickie Roberts, former child star, was the year after. Two years hey, after. Hey, there we go. Uh, yeah. Two thousand and three. But yeah, Joe Dirt's a fucking excellent movie. I don't care what anybody another has to one say about it. Another one I vividly remember watching in theaters and have could not tell you oh, a single. Plot we're doing line. that one next. Yeah. Oh my god. You're going to love it, Brian. The David Spade is on. Here we of, go. Um, <laughs> other fabulous characters that are in this. Um, the voice of the squirrel and the fly oh? in this movie are Bob Bergen, um, who, if you if you guys are the kinds who like really do like voice actors, he's in um, Joe Dima- John DiMaggio's uh, I Know That Voice documentary. He's the current voice of Porky Pig, and he oh. just like oh, breaks down. Yeah, this guy, he's in Akira. He like in the dubbed version of Akira. It's in Duck Dodgers, Space Jam. He plays No Face and Spirited Away. Like, it's a fucking incredible resume. Oh, this wow. Guy's okay. got. Who does yeah. he play in Space Jam? Uh, he plays uh, Birdie. Space Jam episode. Plays Hubie in Marvin the Martian. Oh. Um, but no, Space it, Jam uh, he Honor breaks when down. When comes out, talk about the original one and not talk about the new one. It looks like <laughs> shit. Um, Even though I'm sure the old one also looked like shit to anybody who was our age when it came out, but <laughs> never mind. The fact that the the it's starring Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan, like it's both Michael Jordan and Bugs <laughs> Bunny. Headline as actors equal, and Bugs movie. Bunny's name is on the left. The one you read first is Bugs Bunny. <laughs> I mean, who's the bigger star? I know. I also like it's Bugs one of those <laughs> things. Objective, <laughs> but uh, in merch this sales alone would suggest actually. Oh, <laughs> never mind. In this documentary, Bob Bergen breaks down like how the Porky Pig voice works, like exactly, mm-hmm. like exactly mm-hmm. how you have to do that stutter in order to make it sound like Porky Pig, and it's it takes him like a full no, absolutely not, because uh, he ends it, he or breaks it all down, and he ends it with yeah, some people can do parts of that, but no one can do it all together, and that is why I'm still employed. That's and he's apparently like the job. only fucking guy who can do Porky Pig's fucking weird ass voice that Mel Blanc did. Oh, that's so good. That's crazy. God fucking, that's amazing. All yeah. Right. So anyway, he's the squirrel. <laughs> that's okay. The squirrel, the squirrel crushes it though. The squirrel, the squirrel yeah, again, part of the movie. Bob Bergen, incredible. We like, hey, we need you to be, I don't know, the squirrel. And I love this like trope in um, animated. And it's a, a animated Disney movies where let's get an incredible actor to play an animal with no lines, like Alan Tudyk in uh, Moana, who plays just the chicken. And he just does the chicken voice the entire time. And I love the making of video of that one because he's doing, you know, and he looks deep into the camera and goes, I went to Juilliard. <laughs> <laughs> just, <he's> like, <laughs> just doing chicken that voices. Was, uh, so, so it's, sometimes it's a surprise to me because it's like they did the chicken voice, but I don't. 
Just sounded like a chick. Just like sounded a, like a chicken. Wasn't anything like you know like I wouldn't have known that they got anything but a chick. Like I know the the squirrels got added to the squirrels got a whole personality. There's <laughs> it's got a, a range, real shit going on with that squirrel. It's the difference between like you did an excellent impression of a squirrel and then you are excellent impression of a chicken versus like you made a cartoon squirrel's voice. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah, it's because it's one of those things like given a thousand hours with a microphone and one chicken, you might have been able to do what Alan Tudyk beautifully <laughs> did with a human instrument. But fucking Bob uh, Bob Bergen, just like, yeah, just the, yeah, inventing (laughs) the fucking weird squirrel language and him and Patrick Warburton as you uh, squeak, squeak, make squeaker, uh, squeak squeak and squeaker. I feel like you could get a pretty solid Patrick Warburton voice down if you you worked on it. I got out because his voice is butter. I I love Patrick Warburton's voice. I still love, I still love. There's, I mean, literally, we could just quote all of Kronk's lines, and yeah. we'd be like, "That's incredible." I just love Isma going, "Can you feel the power?" And he goes, <laughs> yeah. and he "Just goes, oh, oh yeah, I feel it, I feel it." <laughs> it's just like that's, I'm just like incredible. This is fucking the best thing I've ever heard. In my or life. like the I greatest like... line in this movie, uh, <gasps> the poison, Cusco's yes. poison, yeah. the poison <laughs> specifically for Cusco, the cu- the poison chosen specifically only for Cusco, Cusco's poison. You know, like, it's so <laughs> that good. poison. Yes, that, that poison. Yes, yes. that poison. <laughs> that's see, I think that is also the big part of that is everybody. <laughs> Kronk does get all like the winner lines. Yeah. Like he he has all the punchlines. He has but all the big parts. Think about if they're actually winner lines, or if he just fucking crushes the uh, delivery every that's, single time. I, so. I, I I'm factoring that in yeah. whether they're winner lines or not. But like he is the part where you that's he's where the sign for laughter comes on kind mm-hmm. of thing in your head. But Yzma tees him up and like parlays off of his laughs so fucking well like their dynamic as a duo like again everybody loved kronk so much that in 2005 he got kronk's new groove (laughs) a 70 minute desperation grab bag for cash that they used because of an incredibly popular character but like it's yzma and kronk i'm sure yzma probably shows up in it but like Yzma and Kronk is the only way that works. They really are this sort of symbiotic relationship in terms of comedy. That's the other beautiful thing about this movie that you don't realize. Like, it's a strong parallelism because you have the buddy movie of Pacha mm-hmm. and Cusco, and then you have the equivalent buddy movie of their chasing with Yzma <laughs> yeah. and Kronk, who are going on a parallel yet different adventure. And, like, yeah, we get to have, we don't have to choose what kind of buddy that we want here. We've got the best kinds of buddies. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a great, no, I got to hand it to who the fuck the writers by Chris Williams, Mark Donnell. Dindle, I don't know these people. I oh, know David Reynolds, who wrote the screenplay, did an excellent okay. job. This is a fabulously put together yeah. script. It, it, I love. It's a classic like Pinky and the Brain dynamic. That's what it is between yeah, Yzma and Kronk. Very much. This is I, the same. That, that's a good way to put it. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Who did Finding Nemo and Mulan? So like, oh, you know, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, and Atlantis, Red. the Last Empire. Uh, oh, there was a writer on all of those. The last, the is lost, it last or lost. It's the lost, lost, the lost. Yeah. The lost. He's empire. only a letter off. We're not going to ding him for that one. We'll just fair. We'll just fair. relentlessly say that it was the lost and not, in fact, the last <laughs> empire. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, the the way that we didn't talk about Pacha enough yet. I think he no, he was the yeah. John Goodman again crushes it. He's he's the straight man in this whole thing, but he's he's like so good and nice and like just having his whole situation with his family. You're like, yes, dude, I'm here for it. What I appreciated about it, to be honest, is so they do the gimmick where he goes home. He's got the bad news that his his house and their entire village is going to be destroyed mm-hmm. to make for Cusco Apo Cusco Cusco Topia Yeah, Cusco Topia Cusco Topia. Um, 
and he goes home to his wife and she is pregnant and already has two kids who are very funny, but also yeah. just like this ring. The the daughter just going, Look at my it's not as impressive as my loose tooth. Hello, hello. Just like violently flings it back and forth. And there it goes. Um but he like he doesn't tell his wife. And my immediate thought was like, Oh, they're gonna do a conflict or he doesn't tell his wife about the situation, then she finds out and then it's bad. And then I'm like, oh, this movie doesn't have time for that. And they don't give a shit because no. she's just a nice wife lady. So um, they they just have a good relationship. And it's there's not too much dialogue about that, like, I guess, develops their relationship uh, between Cusco and, and Pacha. But um, the, John Goodman sells every small thing. Like, he only has a couple of lines that kind of on the nose talk about the theme. But he says them the right way right. <laughs> because he's John Goodman. He's very wholesome it's and good. He's also responsible for a couple of the memes that come from this movie. Like the, <laughs> oh, the, 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 like the, 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 the just okay right. sign. The, just, yeah. Yeah, just, the right. just right. Uh, when that came up, we just went, we just went, he did the meme. And <laughs> yes. I um, was working on a software development project. I was like looking through coding files and... There was one file I was trying to mess with because it wasn't working, and it was like depend. It required the existence of another file, and I go and open up that file to see what it is, and it is just ASCII art of Popcorn <laughs> doing that. That the two okay hand signs. It was like it was like just right dot text or something, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" That's incredible. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so God. good. Yeah, but it was a great joy to find. It was just right. text. It was just right. <laughs> John Goodman's about. another one. One with a voice like butter. Um, but he can turn like those. There's a reason we wanted to see him as Fred Flintstone, even though that movie is a fucking train wreck. Uh, because that we, movie's great. Yeah, we're doing a, that movie's great. Flintstones we're movie. Flintstones. Hundred percent want to do it. God, with Rick there's Moranis as Barney Rubble. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> But no, he's got like that super everyman feel. And I think like a lot of that is projected onto John Goodman because I'm going mm-hmm. through a lot of his roles in like, I don't know, like um, uh, when he plays the Cyclops in um, what's the the, the Coen Brothers movie? Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, I saw him in The Artist. I've seen, like, I see him play these kind of like big boss characters depending on like where he is weight wise or where he is like age wise. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's weird that he has, he can like channel this really kind of everyman you know, Mr. Simpson type feel where he, he can be like super sinister. So it's nice to give him a role where he is actually just salt of the earth and charming. The the reason he has that or one of the big reasons that he has that is Roseanne? because of Roseanne is yeah. because he was Dan Connor for fucking seven years or whatever it fucking, was. Yeah, however many fucking years he was on there. He was another American dad, not the show, but he was the blue collar just dad working on stuff getting hassled by his wife um, sort of guy. So, yeah, he, he he fits that very easily here. Um, I I wish we got a... I don't know, maybe not necessarily, but, like, I wish we had more of them because there's these two sequences of, like, oh, we fall in a river, and then we almost fall in a river. It's, like, it just happens, yeah. like, again, except yeah. they, they that works the second time, but, like... I was, I was feeling very, like, iffy. I was like, okay, cool. Like, we're just going to do this, and then we're going to get to the castle, right? And then we're going to do the thing. And then we have this one sequence at the restaurant. I wanted to talk about that. <laughs> For me, I was like, this 
everything is turned up in the best ways possible. Yeah. And I feel so, I want this to be a movie in itself. I want an hour and a half of this, and then you can do the climax later and have a little bit of shit before. But I don't care. I want all of this. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, I think because the, the restaurant scene is like very funny. Like the physical comedy <laughs> is at a ten there. Um, <laughs> it's just surprising to me that in like what is it ninety minutes? In it's a 90 minute like movie, like you, you couldn't stay on theme. Like, you literally yeah. were like, hey, let's have a restaurant seat. Fuck it. Yeah. They're in the jungle. Who cares? I don't. I, I, that's one of the things I like about this movie is, um, especially from that very opening thing where we were going to stop the film. Like, there's no illusions here. We are in a cartoon, and we are going to mm-hmm. use the devices of a cartoon. We're going to do, like, heavy slapstick, like, a la Looney Tunes and a couple of things. Like, the revolving door bit where, it, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, my God. Where it's just, Cusco comes in, Kron comes, or Kuzmo, Yzma, Cusco, Yzma, Cusco, Yzma. And then they're both looking at each other, and they don't notice, like, hilarious like it's tension building it's delightful it fits it's literally in the narrative and we just took this moment like what if we made this like oh close call one of the funniest scenes in the movie like it (laughs) it is like it's i thought it was really it's fun and they do funny bits all the time movie's great this is is the first time i realized like why do they keep going around the revolving door because so this is what i was i I got this later no but no what happens is so Kronk has <laughs> Kronk has incidentally forced the line cook to leave and quit his job, presumably his only job available in this economy. I don't know how Cusco's empire works out, but like I don't know how many jobs he's got. But he's like, fuck this, I'm done. If you want the special, you order it yourself, blah, blah, blah. And then Kronk just basically straps on an apron and is like, I guess I'm the chef of this restaurant now. Starts taking orders for everybody. And then Cusco is finishing his order as Yzma comes in to add to her order. And then he changes his mind. And then they get their orders mixed up because they both order potatoes. And so Cusco is like, with cheese. She runs in, no cheese, and then they just keep fighting. Yeah, yeah. no, I get. So, for example, when they're switching off between the with cheese, no cheese, it's Cusco says no cheese. (laughs) He walks out. Isma walks in, and she's like cheese. What what makes Cusco walk back in? I think it's a duck season, rabbit season. The only thing I can think is that Kronk confirms the order. I think Kronk is involved in that layer of conversation, so he'll be like. No, the Kronk or uh, fucking god, these names are gonna fuck me up in how fast this goes. Kuzco is like, no cheese, and he's like, got it, no cheese. And she's like, no, I want cheese. And he goes, cheese is on it. And then he's like, no, 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 I don't want like that sort of Why thing. Why would Kuzco yeah, hear Kronk and not? No, easy. okay, here we go. This is <laughs> this is this joke. is what we've got. Imagine it like a play because I feel like okay. this joke works he really well you. in a play. Because on a play, you will just believe that, like, yeah. When I at when Kronk me Kronk at the the uh, the skittle looks left, I have like, I have perfect um, conversational awareness with this, and I can look right. But neither of these two can look uh, like across their at silos each- of conversation. Yeah. Like you know, Even when two the people are right yeah, like literally that bit happens in in theater, right? Like two people are going out of doors, and like someone go opens a door on the other side. Yeah, and they they yeah. never quite like are able to talk to one another. Like I feel like, but it's it's what's funny to me is like in a cartoon. That exact bit works to the point where I didn't question the logic until you brought it up there, and then I had to like remind myself it. of like how. Hold on, no, it's theater. Like blocking is a thing. Like we can we can believe <laughs> but, this. And really, that's my point: is it it doesn't actually you forget that it doesn't make any fucking sense because it's hilarious. It's, yeah. You're too busy laughing. 
Yes. So I do love that. And then they then they keep repeating it out when they're like looking at their menus and putting them down. You know another bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The uh, menu up, menu down, menu up, yeah. menu down. Yeah. Again, like tension rising, hilarious. And then I feel like they really sink it when uh, at after this scene, Kronk wakes up in the middle and I goes, <gasps> "The lady from the diner." <laughs> yeah. She didn't pay her check, and then it goes back to sleep. Like, it's just like fabulous. That's a fabulous end of that that sequence. Uh, yeah. Another a joke that didn't land for me, uh, but comes back and lands for me super fucking well is when Isma uh, when Isma and Kronk originally go to her secret lab, and she goes, "Pull the lever, Kronk," yeah. and she pulls it, and she ends up falling. Now, wrong lever. Like, why do we even have that lever? Like, ha ha ha, funny bit. But that they took the time to do it again yeah. when Kuzco and Pacha get there. And he goes, why does she even have that lever? <laughs> the fact that they don't show them pulling the wrong letter, it just cuts to him already walking in with the crocodile. That is the way. There's that no other nice way. And subtle. I, yeah, that, that joke doesn't land as, for me as hard either because the marketing for this movie was really intense. Back in the day. Oh, yeah. So I can still remember, like, the certain scenes singed into my brain from having seen them over and over and over again. Every 15-second yeah. spot was one of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a big one was the wrong lever. Yeah. One. So, yeah, no interest in that myself, personally. <laughs> I did. So I... I <laughs> There's another... Another one of the memes is... Uh, no, no, he's got a point with the angel crunk on his shoulder. <laughs> and when that showed up... I didn't realize how juvenile and silly the context for that is, is because he's got the two arguing like, shoulder guides, or he's got the devil and the angel, yeah. and the devil is like, I got I got three points for you. <laughs> he goes, he's like, one, blah, 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 and he's like, okay. And he goes, two, look what I can do. And he starts doing like a one-handed <laughs> handstand, and Kronk is like, I don't, what the fuck is going on? And the angel goes, no, 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 he's got a point. <laughs> This it's is the really context good. of this. That's incredible. Yeah. And they do it that one time, and the second time they do it, it is because Isma's insulted his spinach puffs, and they're both like, oh my god. They're both like, get her. And it's like, you're going down. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And he's uh, and yeah. then oh and then I love it. Uh, this movie is great at like removing context to make the joke, and then going back in like with the context half acknowledged and going back in. And that's another moment where shoulder angel and shoulder devil. The first time we see them come up, like totally a metaphor. This is Kronk's internal monologue. The second time they do that joke, you see they cut back a little bit, and Kronk is literally talking yeah. to Just both talking. of them. And Isma, Pacha, and Cusco are like, what? What yeah. is happening? <laughs> it's like oh very gosh. funny. Like let's just re that like recontextualizing and then force move on. It's very funny and it's done a couple times in this movie. One of my favorites is right around there when Isma lifts up her skirt and Cusco <laughs> and Pacha start screaming. <laughs> It's a dagger. She pulls up to yeah, the dagger. Well, no, and they go oh. first. They see her thigh and they start screaming, and then she keeps lifting to reveal the dagger. And they're yeah. like, oh, my. So it's just like it's like the the animation of like the way that she's contorting herself to like show off her thigh is so fucking funny. It's 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 incredible, and I I thoroughly enjoy a movie that revels in its character design mm-hmm. by simply saying. What is Yzma's main characteristic? That she is scary looking. (laughs) Multiple times she is just described as scary beyond reason. Like an incomprehensible, you you know, 
H.P. Lovecraft would be screaming non-Euclidean at this woman with how much you can't comprehend the how angles. fucking scary and ugly <laughs> she is. But, like, there's multiple scenes where it's just, like, being like, oh, my God, she's hideous. Fucking Cusco completely zones her out. I, and it's the be- it's at the beginning. It's right at I the fucking beginning love the scene. She's talking. Yeah, so it, it happens like near the beginning. He's staring at Isma and she's like he's just said <laughs> something to her and she's talking back and you're in the middle of listening to Isma thinking that's what you're supposed to be doing. But she fades out as his voice over narration cuts back in and he's just zooming in on the wrinkles in her face and extreme he's close like, ups. How deep are her wrinkles? Like what is holding this woman together? <laughs> that was my favorite part. It's just Oh my god. What is holding this woman together? They the and shot then, is so nice of him like slack jawed, just like having completely lost focus. I love the way that ends too when they cut to like the, the thing in her teeth and it's just yeah. like record scratch. What? <laughs> How long has that been there? <laughs> it's just like a perfect David Spade delivery. Yeah, yeah. like it was. Yeah. It was very good it. in that way. He crushes it. I love. I love David Spade, dude. I don't care if it's embarrassing. He had. <laughs> oh, we were talking. Because I, well, what, what I was mild. What I was saying is, it's like a more mild version of Rob Schneider. Not in their personalities. It's in that I all like the the ratio of it's embarrassing to like them and how good they are. You know. Yeah, um, it's, I feel I like it's a tighter love... ratio for David Spade because I think he yes. is better and it's way more okay it's to like less David embarrassing. Spade. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Where it's more embarrassing to like Rob Schneider like I do, and he's less good. <laughs> he's not good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know. He's also like anti-vax and stuff. So. Oh, God. Yeah, Rob Schneider sucks. Oh, dude. damn it. Oh, that made me feel so good to ruin that for you because fuck you for like your option. I'm still going to watch Deuce Bigelow European Gigolo. Oh, well, you I have to watch me. it as well because I saw Male Gigolo and it wasn't that bad. So, But yeah. we were also drunk, so maybe that... We'll just get drunk again skew- and watch European We will Gigolo. absolutely do that. There's a character named um, Asapopoulos. How bad could it be? Asapopoulos. <laughs> How long has that been there? Um, <laughs> I do The um uh, Again, a big fan of this movie, but it... it it is this very kind of easy, lighthearted comedy. And it I don't know if it's if it's just my knowledge of the context, but it does feel I don't want to say less than because it's not. Because it has its own message and it has its own things. And like I I actually do kind of like the playful sort of change of masculinity for Kuzco, where he is like I'm going to still perform as this arrogant kind of guy, but I did really learn a lesson and I'm going to be kind and I'm going to like, gold. find somewhere else and do this thing and like, you know, develop this actual friendship with Pacha. And I'm like, cool, great. Um, but it, it, it does come at a time, this came out in December of 2000 for Disney. And this had a budget of $100 million and it only made... 169 million dollars nice at the box office it wasn't actually nice because they need a lot more to make back their budgets and to kind of do all that sort of stuff so um it was a pretty in terms of box office is a pretty critical it was a pretty commercial failure but or disappointment rather i don't want to say failure because it made back its budget um it, it was the most uh purchased dvd of 2001 Ooh. though like it did did got its yeah. life on home release but you can kind of tell that this is like the end of the renaissance like the renaissance is over mm. like pocahontas i think pocahontas and hunchback were big killers for a lot of the renaissance like a lot of people were like oh 
Jeez. Sucks because Hunchback was so fucking good. Hunchback's great. Um, What's the other one you mentioned? Hunchback and what? Pocahontas. Because those yeah. both didn't do as well. They, they they were other slides in terms of box office gold. Like, they weren't as successful financially. Um, and then the one after this, before the, the Pixar stuff starts picking up is, or starts really picking up, is um, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which is notoriously not... <laughs> Did not make money, or did not make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so it, it this feels like a mirror or a bookend with Great Mouse Detective, Whoa. as because Great Mouse Detective, unironically, yeah. kicked off the Mar- the yeah. I almost said Marvel Disney <laughs> Renaissance. Like it is the reason that studio did animation again. It's the reason they did like all these other movies, and they took these chances because that movie worked and made a fucking billion dollars. And didn't make a billion dollars, but it made a bunch. And Should then this movie is like another creative, fun, different movie, but it is kind of harbinger, a harbinger of the end of that phase of Disney's filmmaking again, which is a shame because it's really good. Yeah, and uh, Brian, Brian brings that up because that's exactly why we picked this movie, and this is a very strategic <laughs> episode we did to book in yeah. our coverage of The Great Mouse Detective, not something we came up with. Out on a whip. Well, it, it, it does. Um, genre usually follows this sort of pattern, at least like niche <laughs> genre. I know that uh, um, the slasher film as a genre did this exact same thing where like mm-hmm. super popular for a bit. And then we get to scream where the only thing left to really do in this genre is to satirize the genre some way while still making a great, you know, movie in the genre. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and the same thing that like, yeah, these sort of like heart filled, you know, character driven stories where, you know, you're going to be in Simba's going to be imperfect, but, you know, he learns to accept his role as king and Ariel's going to be discontent with her life as a mermaid. But then she like figures out that she can be a whole person and be the best of two worlds or whatever. And you know, the hunchback learns that, well, he doesn't really have to change. That one doesn't really work for this. One, you know? so, but, um, but anyway, like these characters, no, of course, because he learns to accept himself and that's the big change in the movie. And it's, of course, but uh <laughs> I mean, we still have that same. We still have that same. I don't know because it's like she's still not gonna fuck you, dude. Like that's that was like a really hard part of that story. Yeah, it is. It is. Don't get me wrong. That one. That's what Hunchback kind of throws some mud in the water there. But it's. It is also that hell is real and that guy gets taken there forever. It's just really sent directly to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. But you know, we have that same general structure of you know, character comes to like really understand the closest to Simba, right? Like really understands what it means to be king and like you know what. But it's done in this like spoof on that hero's journey by making it Mm -hmm. a buddy cop, by making it by buddy movie, by making it two buddy movies. You know, like constantly recontextualizing. So I love that that the main thrust of joke is like, what? This isn't, you know, Kronk's actually talking to himself or stop the movie. This isn't about Pacha. No, no. And we're the same. The movie in terms of genre is doing the same thing. Like, oh, wait, we're not doing a hero yeah. story. We're doing, you know, to the Bing Crosby. To the point where Yzma <laughs> and Kronk literally see the, the dotted line of their so race. So funny. chasing yeah. that. Yeah, we're the oh, spoof. Oh, and then they go, how did you get here first? Yeah. And he goes, he pulls out the map and shows where they went. Actually, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, that the, the fact that, you know, the the 
Yeah, and I love that, that somehow the spoof is affecting the narrative to the point where, like, it has to be acknowledged. The and characters it is just are aware its, of the spoof. On yeah. its face somehow and, like, recontextualize. But now we're here. We still have to move through. Like, there's no backups. There's no, like, yeah. oh, weird. This is out of context. On with the normal story. Like, no, that is the story, motherfucker. That's Back the story. up. Yeah. I love that Yzma starts explaining how they got there first. And then she's like, wait, how wait did we get here first? <laughs> yeah, That's where Kronk has to blow up the map. Uh, yeah, he's like objectively doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's what it was. Objectively, objectively doesn't, doesn't make, make any, any sense. sense. Yeah, but we're so, not dealing with objective cronk. We're dealing with fun. It is an subject. <laughs> it is an excellent end to the Disney like animated studio renaissance, where it, it it does like it does. It's it's a satirization of itself. It's I think it is the most joke filled of any of that era of movie by far mm-hmm. yeah uh, and it's great well and she's Lion the King last sorry go ahead not it's not from that era but liking one and a half it's, fuck you it's <laughs> you hard son it's son of a bitch yeah it's hard to include those direct to dvd yeah. sequels yeah. though because uh, like uh J- return not return of jafar but uh no return nope. of jafar does return have the forget about the boy yeah, yeah the gilbert godfrey song and a lot more movie. like oh, just the gilbert Godfrey. like just a lot more bits that you know we're allowed mm-hmm. to kind of like take our time we're like I don't know, 40 Thieves is a little more direct. Like, Jesus. nope, we got a thing. King Midas, straight to it, whatever. Yeah. Um, we don't we don't talk about that. But it's hard. Like, for the <laughs> main line, you know, <laughs> theatrical <laughs> releases of the, totally. the, yeah, the cell block also, animated 80s to 90s to early 2000s. Yeah. Also, Yzma is a barring Dr. Facilier? Is that his name? Dr. Facilieri? Facilier, something like that. <laughs> barring him, because he is an exception, because that movie is out of time, because it's yeah. over here in the 2010s. They did a little backtrack. Yzma is the last... <laughs> fucking rad Disney villain. As far as I can tell, I'm pretty sure she's just the last. Because Kronk is far <laughs> too sweet and nice and a good guy they, to be a villain. They but stopped going as hard on villains, for sure. Yeah. Which they they kind of change. Because she's evil for the sake of being... She loves to be bad. Yeah. She is like... And she's just I, power hungry. Yeah. she just She's like, all I want is to be the emperor and to have my uh, facade my be plastered all over everywhere and to have big giant vases with my face yeah. staring down at me for yeah, some reason awesome like she takes over I, absolutely... she is like very much like a jafar parody yeah she's like literally the royal vizier basically <laughs> she is the she's Empire, also exactly. yeah she's also kind of like a hades parody uh like uh, inspired by that same sort of like comic villain still evil wants to be yeah. in charge but like definitely still a villain like that same <laughs> sort of james wood that same energy that they told yes. james woods to bring it to james hades woods fucking crushes hades dude. god it's so he good. does another one it's unfortunate <laughs> that he's such a fucking asshole so good it's this yeah that's fine yeah. anyway all our celebrities are dead so yeah fact. don't no, just your heroes guys don't don't put celebrities on pedestals <laughs> like <laughs> just just almost always don't do that uh so on the on the topic of emperor's new groove whose title i definitely didn't forget i was doing the exact same thing when you did that i was like what is the moon what are we doing <laughs> what's what are we doing here are we is this friends a <laughs> To the point where I'm going to use my stolen password for Disney Plus and watch The Emperor's New School just to see if that holds up as a sequel. Yes. Um, so, Kronk's New Groove is the sequel movie. Emperor's New School is a, ser- a TV series. Six years later for two years. I looked it yeah. up today. Um, I'm, I'm going to say yes. I'm also going to say that Kronk's New Groove is like 79 minutes long. <laughs> Are you trying, trying to get me That's, to watch Kronk's New Groove? No, because it's, it's an hour and 19 minutes, which is technically a film. <laughs> <laughs> just, it is like, 
Almost technically. by like legal definition. I know I'd there isn't, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> 79 minutes is 10 minutes too long, personally. Oh, because you nice. Nice. <laughs> it's just like, I love, I love, I would love the, the school, <laughs> the school of film of like screenwriting where like, yeah, we teach the tight 90, but the advanced course is we teach the tight 69. You know, like, get in, get yeah. on, get off, get out the of that plot. You know? Okay. Yeah. I, I have one oh. kid's corner to do today. Uh, wait. Do you hear it? It's a coming round the bend. It is the kids' corner. <laughs> Brian is freaking out for what some reason. What is that? What was that funny? It's, it's, it's coming around the corner. And it's coming around. It's coming around once and twice. You see it coming around again. Three quarters. Three quarters coming around. It's coming around the kids' corner. So, uh, one of our favorite listeners, Garrett, on our Discord, posted Hi, this uh, article in response to our Monster Verse episode last week. The title is Radioactive Hybrid Terror Pigs <laughs> Have Made Themselves a Home in Fukushima's Exclusion Zone. Um, I think Excuse I, me? I, cannot, yep. I did not take the time to confirm whether this is real or not. The way this article is written implies that it is not real <laughs> oh. because they, they really like. The first sentence in it is, scientists have uncovered a new threat to humanity emerging in the areas surrounding the former Fukushima nuclear power plant. Indestructible radioactive hybrid terrapins. <laughs> like, the whole thing just That's like... That's the start! It, like, the terrapins are not a type of pig, you know? Like, <laughs> is that a subclass of pig you can spec into? <laughs> yeah. they it, it goes a lot into how they're, like, indestructible and, like, could have taking over humanity if they had only learned to to get along but will most likely have to recede back into the hills watching with regret over their lost opportunity oh like it's, no it's a crazy article um no, but you can find that on our discord yeah. holy I shit did read the whole thing um and it is the basic fact that like what happened in chernobyl there is this entirely like humans don't go to this area. Pigs are endemic to that area, so they get super scary because boar as a species are terrifying. It was the only <laughs> animal I was afraid of when I was like long distance hiking. Um, and when they're separated from humans that long, which is if we remember like eight years ago, immediately lose all wariness around people. So now they're radioactive because they live in the exclusion zone. They are not afraid of people and they are a scary fucking animal to begin with. I love the terminology, though. Virtually indestructible. Virtually indestructible. <laughs> terror pig. Radioactive terror pigs. Teenage mutant ninja turtle pigs. Seriously. Yeah, and it was, they say hybrid because it was like the radioactive pigs came and uh, it was like the boars that descended down from the hills okay. mated with the, the loose homegrown pigs. Oh. Uh, and they made these new the baby oh, hybrid hey. <laughs> they made these new baby hybrid terror pigs. Okay, I know that you meant like loose pigs, as in like the pigs have been loose, ba- ba- like <laughs> ones that like weren't moralist slutty, <laughs> like you know those those floozy pigs, Just slutty let any old boar in. You know? <laughs> now we have those terror pigs, cheap, loose pigs created those like, let's terror the pigs. fucking nephilim from oh the book of Enoch. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, oh thank you, Garrett. We appreciate thank you, you putting terror pigs on our radar. <laughs> yeah, send us more articles. We'll do a little bit of news. We don't care. Was, it's real. We'll totally do news. Are you kidding me? That'd be Any great. Excuse, oh I have to say hybrid terror pigs. I'm gonna. I'm happy. Destructive. <laughs> yeah. We'll man, oh man. That. Oh well. 
Well, I have been your co-host, co-host of this podcast, the co-host specifically chosen for this podcast, the, this co-host podcast, podcast co-host, Taylor. This poison? <laughs> yes, that co-host. Um, I have been your llamified radioactive terror pig, Brian. <laughs> and I'm still just Jorge. And we will be back with the Hucks next week. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs>